Become the Light, part four. We are excited that you are here. Thank you for taking time on your Wednesday night to be here with us at Live. We're really excited for what God's going to do here tonight. I would encourage you, before, before I get going this, morning, this evening, we're going to be in Matthew 5, verse 14. If you want to have a Bible, you want to turn there. But I would encourage you over the next couple of weeks during our Active Faith series, like Michael talked about, to invite someone brand new to come with you. To invite someone that's maybe never been to Live or they stopped coming for a while. That would be my encouragement to you. I hope that you have, uh, have your Bible and you've turned to Matthew 14. We're going to read it really fast, the whole thing, 14 through 16. Let's start here in verse 14. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for each student, adult, volunteer, staff member, crew member that has walked in here tonight. God, I just pray that they would hear from you, that it wouldn't be about a song or about a person, that God, it would be strictly about who you are and what your son did for us on the cross. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, t- tonight we're, we're finishing the Become the Light series. So obviously over the last couple of weeks, Meredith has done an incredible job talking about light. And I, I think it's really important. If you think about your life, light plays a major role. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've gotten into my car after dinner or after somewhere and I've got into my car when it's pitch black at night and I've started to drive without turning my headlights on. It's scary. If any of you drive a car, you know like for that two seconds that you haven't turned your headlights on, it is a scary deal. So I began to think over the last couple of weeks how much light plays into our lives. And I thought about some of the scariest moments in my life when light was absent, and we call that darkness. The scariest moments in my life was one, when I was uh, in high school, I had the chore of taking out the garbage. Anybody have that chore? I'm sure a a bunch of you do. I had this long, 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 long driveway that went down a hill. And okay, it probably wasn't that long, but as a in high school, I thought it was the longest thing ever. And it went down this hill, and at the end of it, of course, you had to put the garbage can on the other side of the road, right? And of course, my mom would tell me on Thursday mornings, like, hey, the garbage man comes tomorrow, make sure you take the garbage out. When do you think I did it? At 10 o'clock at night, right before I was going to bed. And my mom and dad used to play this trick on me. We had a light on our driveway, but they would turn, as soon as I started with the, the garbage can, they would turn all the lights off. Like, they think it's funny. So I am 17 years old, a senior or a junior in high school, and I remember this this day, and I get out there with the garbage can, I'm walking down, and then all of a sudden all the lights come on, and I'm like, I've been here before. I know how to do this. Like, I, I just have to take the garbage can down to the bottom, place it, and walk back up. Like, just walk. I'm not scared of the dark. I don't think I am. I don't ever, like, I'm not scared of the dark that I know of. So I walk the garbage can all the way down, just confidently telling myself, you're not scared of the dark. You're not scared of the dark. You're not scared of the dark. But I 
promise you the moment that I dropped the garbage can on the other side of the road, I turned around and ran as fast as I could, probably faster than any time I've ever run in a sporting event, anything. I felt like I was at the Olympics or racing Hussein Bolt who was chasing me, ready to like grab me, and I don't know what they were going to do with me, but I sprinted to the top of that hill, just sprinted, because I was scared of the dark. And then the one time I told my sister, hey, when they turn the lights off, when I'm walking back up, turn the light back on. And guess what I did that time? I walked all the way back up. Why? Because the light, I wasn't scared when the light was on. The light played a major factor in my fear of the, of the darkness. I thought of another time, and maybe some of you can relate with this one as well. Uh, I lived in a two-story house, and... My parents, everyone's bedrooms were on the second story, and I thought I was cool, so I would stay up later than everyone, because I was that guy in my family, and uh, everyone would go upstairs to bed, but you know that moment when you have to, like, turn the last light off? That, that, yeah, you know, I'm t- like, some of you have been in a back room, or you've been somewhere, and you have to turn the last light off. And every single time... I would hit the switch, and of course, it was on the opposite side of the room, nowhere near the stairs, right? I would hit the switch, and I would run as fast as I could up the stairs. Most of the time, I would fall, and my mom and they would come out of the room and be like, everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I was just walking up the stairs. I know, I was sprinting because I was scared of the dark. But those two things, they got me thinking that darkness is a real fear in life. And tonight, Jesus is going to be preaching the very first sermon that he ever preached, and pretty much one or other thing, but pretty much the first section of what he talks about is light. And you read it there, and it says, it says that you are the light of the world. Remember, this is Jesus talking, and he he makes this phrase here that we see. It says, you are the light of the world. Some of you read that, like I have for many years, and you think, this is like a question. Jesus is asking, he's like saying, are you the light of the world, or you are the light of the world, question mark? Like, I'm not really sure. For me, I think, am I the light of the world, Jesus? Like, what does that mean? But it's not a question mark when I read it. When you see it there, it's not a question mark. It's a period. It's a statement. Actually, I would say go even farther. It's a, it's a declaration that you, as a believer in Christ if you're a Christian, that Jesus says to you and I that you are the light of the world. And if we, if you don't get anything else tonight, if you would just get this little truth that Jesus calls you, yeah, you and I, the light of the world, it would change our schools, our sports teams, our families, our homes. It would change everything. So I thought about it this way. Maybe instead of waking up in the morning and doing our hair and brushing our teeth, but before we fixed our messy hair, we just rolled out of bed. Before I fixed my hair, before I brushed my nasty breath, because you just wake up and your breath is nasty. I don't understand it, but you all know what I'm talking about, because you get in there and you smell your breath, and you're like, oh, but you don't let anyone know that. But before you did any of that, what if you looked your messy hair, nasty, stank breath in the mirror, and you said, hey, Jesus says that you are the light of the world. If we did that every morning, our lives would look way different. Maybe. Maybe not. 
He says that you are the light of the world. Let's look at the word light really fast. This is actually, we're going to do a history lesson tonight, and we're going to do a science lesson. So I know you left school and you came here. Sorry, we're bringing school a little bit to you tonight. So a history lesson or a language lesson, the word light here, just so you all know, the Bible was not written in English originally. It was written in a language, Greek is the language, and the word light is phoos. I think it's going to come behind me, phoos, which means literally light or the light, or it means photography, or it doesn't mean that, but it gives us the root word. Anyone, anyone know what a root word is? I'm taking you way back to English class. Root word, yeah, y'all are mad at me because we're going to English class right now. But it gives us the root word of photography or photo or even picture. All of them come from this same deal. So when Jesus says that you are the phoas of the world, I think it could even be translated in the sense of, that you are the picture of Jesus to a dark world. So I have a picture of me from when I was training, like Seth, I tried to make it to the Olympics this year, um, and look at that, great picture. Just, no, I just threw down a 1440 in the half pipe, and now I'm just celebrating at the end like Sean White. None of you believe me? I really can snowboard and throw down a 1440. No, I can't, I can't, but I can maybe do a 360 like a year ago, but now I'm too scared. I don't want to fall. I don't even hit the jumps anymore. I'm old. But look, at, I want you to look at the picture, and I want you to notice some things. I want you to know that, notice the clarity of the picture. Like, it's clear, right? You can see exactly who that is, can't you? You can't see exactly who, oh, it's changing a little bit. But you can see exactly who it is. Now, watch over time as it changes. It's going to change. Look at it. See, now it's blurred out, right? You can't really see. If this is the one you saw first, you wouldn't really know of who that is, right? You would just see a blurred image. And my question to us Christians is, is your image of Jesus, is it clear or is it blurred out? What is the picture that you show the world of what Jesus is. Because as a Christian, as a Christ follower, you are showing the world a picture of Jesus. And my question tonight is, is it clear who, what Jesus really was about and what he talked about, or is it foggy? Is it blurred out? I think for a lot of us at times, it, it kind of goes back and forth. And we allow the world, the things of the world, the darkness, to blur out our picture of Jesus. To blur it out. And let's keep going here to verse 15. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a lamp, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. How many of you have lamps in your home? I'm sure a bunch of you. So I was thinking about this. As I was in my, as I was in my apartment and I figured out where the lamps and the lights are placed, I thought to myself that I wouldn't put a lamp in the closet. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, if, it was, if its purpose was to light the entire world, or to light the entire room, I wouldn't put a lamp in the closet. It would bring no light to the house. I would shut the door, and all you would see is a little bit of light underneath. It would bring no absolute light to the house. None. So as, as I read this, it immediately shouted the intentionality that Jesus wants to have in our lives. That Jesus is intentional with us. 
that just like you put a lamp in the place in the room, just like the lights in this room are placed perfectly to bring the most light to the room, you put a lamp in your room so it brings the most light possible to get as much of the darkness away. Jesus does that with us. He's intentional on where he placed you. I truly believe that he's even as intentional as the fact that he placed you in your math class to sit next to somebody because maybe they might need to know Jesus. I believe Jesus is intentional like that, and I think this verse shows that. Or maybe in your gym class, or maybe or wherever, that he has placed you intentionally to share Jesus. But here's the reality, and it's for me more than anyone else in this room. It's really easy for me to go to Peru or to Brazil or some foreign Africa or some foreign country, and I could share Jesus all day long on a mission trip, correct? It's easy when you go on a mission trip. If you haven't been on a mission trip, I encourage you to go on a mission trip. They're, they're awesome. But it's really easy to share Jesus on a mission trip. So, you, so we're willing as Christians, myself included in this, we're willing to go to Africa or to Peru or to wherever and share Jesus, but we're not willing to share Jesus. I'm not willing to walk down my hall that is literally probably the size of this and knock on the neighbor's door and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Are you willing to do that? I know it's easy to go on a mission trip, but are you willing to, 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 to maybe like bother the person next to you in class and say, hey, I'm just curious, random question. Do you know Jesus? Like, I'm just curious. Or maybe like, hey, you want to come to live? And they're like, what's live? And it's like church. I'm just curious if you're willing to do that. And I think God has placed you intentionally next to the people and in the lives of people. And maybe for you, it's not your classroom, but it's like me, it's your family. Maybe God has called you to be a Christian, that God has saved your life so that you can reach your family with Christ. And my question to you is, again, about that picture, are we being a good picture or a blurred out picture? And my other question is, are we being intentional with our faith? Are we being intentional with sharing Jesus? But just because like, he put that lamp in the room to bring the most light, I think Jesus has put you in your, in your situation and in your family and me and my family and in my situation with the people I hang out with so I can bring the most light, and that's Jesus. So I can shine bright like Jesus. It's intentional. It is intentional where God has placed you. And are we using it? Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Man, this is a jam-packed verse, and I wish I had time to break down. We could break down word for word every one of these words, and and they all have great impact and great meaning. But I want to look at the word. So we've kind of looked at this word light all night. So I want to look at the word shine really fast, and, and to shine, the definition of it, if you're, right, if you're taking notes, if, the, the, the definition of shine is literally to, I just, I just lost it, is literally to give off or reflect light. To give off or reflect light. So what do I do? So I'm trying to figure out things that shine, and like in the moment I can't think of anything, but then it's like everything shines, so it's like, but one of the biggest things that shines is the moon. See, a lot of times I'd look up in the sky and I'm like, oh, there's the moon. 
Like, it has its own light source. Like, why can I see the moon at night? Because it's, it's like, lights up. But you know, and I know now, because I'm not very smart, that the moon, it doesn't light up. Like, it's not like you flick a switch and the moon comes on. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, I thought that's what happened. But what happens is the sun shines onto the moon, and the moon reflects light back to the world. The sun shines onto the moon, and the moon reflects light onto the world. You're like, okay. Anybody know what a lunar eclipse is? I'm sure a lot of you do. Yeah, you know what? Even when lunar eclipse happen, we like cancel school and we like stay out all night and we get our huge like people that I've never seen interested in stars before and I know some people like this, but then they all of a sudden like out of their closet, they pull out like a five foot long like telescope and they're like looking at the lunar eclipse and I'm just like, man, I'm going to bed. But that right there is a lunar eclipse. So notice the sun, the earth, and the moon. Now, I don't know if you know what happens during the lunar eclipse, but, but you can't see the moon. Why? Because the world gets in the way. You can't see the moon because the world gets in the way. Now look at it in a spiritual sense. Jesus is the sun, right? He has the light. He shines the light. We are the moon, the thing that reflects the light, the thing that shines the light to the world, that shows the light to the world, and the world is the world. So maybe if you're not shining the light of Christ, it's because you've allowed the world to get in the way. Catch that. Maybe if you're not shining or I'm not shining the light of Christ, it's because we have allowed the world to get in the way. And I don't know what that looks like for you. The world could be all kinds of things. There's like lists and lists upon things that that the world can represent, and, and it's different for each one of our lives. But my question is, what are the things in our lives that we need to get rid of? We need to push the world aside so that we can shine a true, clear picture of Jesus. Because as you all know, as you watch on every news channel, as you watch on, not, you don't watch the news, but you scroll on your Instagram and your Twitter and you see, you can clearly see that the world is a dark place. You can clearly see that. If you don't see that, it, it, it's, you're not looking at the right Instagram page. But the world is a dark place. And what the world needs most is Jesus. And you want to know what the only picture that the world gets of Jesus? It's you and I who say that we're Christians. That's the only picture the world gets of Jesus. It's when you and I, as believers in Christ, we actually begin to live out and to walk out the very things that God has called us to do. So when the world looks at us, Christians, what is the picture that they see? When the world looks at us, what is the picture that they see? Do 
the next part is that it continues on. It says, let your light shine before others, verse 16. And then it says, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And there's so much here. Glorify. Let's look at that phrase, glorify your Father in heaven. And if you're taking notes, there's going to be a phrase that comes on the screen, and we're going to unpack it, and it says that God is most glorified. Anybody, maybe you've asked the question of how do I glorify God? Is this glorifying God? Can I glorify God? This is not my quote. This is a way, person way smarter than me's quote, and it says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I can't tell you the number of times that I myself have asked the question, is this glorifying to God? Am I glorifying God with my life? Maybe some of you have asked that question, am I glorifying God? Or maybe you're like, I don't even know how to glorify God. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And what does that mean to be satisfied in him? It means, it means to, to, to be okay with, to walk with, to be satisfied with the things that God has given you. To get, be satisfied with the ability and the talents that God has given each one of us. See, I think oftentimes we look at the world around us, and, and I do it on time, all the time on Instagram, and I look at like this person, and I wish I could take this attribute. I, I wish I could take this person's basketball skills, and I wish I could take this person's height, and I wish I could take this person's speed. And I, and I look at the world and I try to figure out what are the things that I need to take and add to my life so that maybe I could do something and get, and get somewhere that I could then maybe even glorify God. But the issue is that we need to stop trying to take pieces of the world and put them in our lives. Because that's not glorifying to God. What's glorifying to God is when we wake up and we say, God, I am satisfied with you. God, if the only thing I get today if the only person I get to hang out with is you, God, I'm satisfied. It's hard to be satisfied with God. But it's possible. Believe me, and I'm in the struggle right next to you. God, like, God, what's happening now? Like, God, what's going on in my life? Am I satisfied with God or do I keep looking at the world to give me stuff. And I'm not saying all stuff in general is bad. But I'm saying is we got to first be satisfied with God. That has to be our priority in our lives. And the last part it says glorify your father in heaven. And that's pretty self-explanatory. Glorify your Father in heaven. Here's the reality. It's that each one of us, we have a Father that's in heaven. But the issue is, and the issue is this, that a long time ago, a person named Adam and Eve, they, they made a bad choice and they disobeyed God. And what happened is then we were then as a human race, as people, as humans, we were separated from our Father in heaven. That's the reality. In our own self, 
and just me as Ryan Herzog, I am separated from my Father in heaven. But the Bible says that God loved the world so much, that God loved you and I so much. He loved his children so much that he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to come to the world and to be the substitute, to take our place, to take our penalty, to take the place on the cross for yours and I's shortcomings, for our disobedience to God, for our sin. So the only way that we can actually have a real relationship with our Father who's in heaven is through the very work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. And it's through accepting it. It's through having a personal relationship with Jesus. And maybe the word Father doesn't sit right with you. I want you to know that you have a Father in God that loves you unconditionally that will never give up on you, that is for you and he's never against you, that you have a father in God that wants the best for your life. And the only way we can have a relationship with him is through Jesus Christ. And I, I believe that there's some of you in here tonight that you've walked in here and you've heard this message about light and darkness and, and maybe you've been living in darkness for a long time. Well, it's time to come to the light. It's time to come to your father. It's time to even come home, I would say. And the way that we do that is that we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross. So with no one looking around.